Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy. Available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's Anthony Pagnotta back with you guys. As always, preseason for Tar Heel football. Uh, We are about to fall camp as well, and we are getting you there as we come down the stretch and wrap up our position previews for the defensive side of the ball here today. Then we will go over, do a uh, shorter edition of the podcast than probably any of the other ones that we have done where we will look at the special teams. But today we are looking at the defensive backs, a unit that a year ago had a lot of promise in one area and some inconsistencies in the other area. We're going to talk to you all about that here as we break down the defensive backs. Josh Marlowe, of course, here with me to do just that and uh, overall buddy I think this unit is uh, one that has a lot of promise in it has some really good NFL prospects but there are also a couple of areas on this defense that uh, are still a little bit head scratching at this moment in terms of what to expect from them. Yeah um, if you're a faithful listener to this podcast I've made it pretty well known that I believe that entering the season and by the time the season's over Carolina has the best corner tandem in the ACC and a top three to five corner tandem in the country and Storm Duck and Tony Grimes. Um, Storm Duck coming back from injury. What Tony Grimes did down the last half of the season last year, especially that Notre Dame game, you can see where there's a lot of hope, optimism in the cornerback spot. The question that you mentioned is that the safeties where Carolina has struggled with inconsistencies the last couple years. 
have a question that I, you know, I think would be a great way to talk about this. You yeah. Look at, you look at some of the Let's great teams in college football, <clears throat> Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama. They've got great defenses. You look at Alabama and Ohio State, their secondaries have been fantastic. Clemson's not to the same level. I think with Carolina, I think I think that's the one thing that they're missing is a great uh, game changer at the safety spot. Don't you agree? Like I think, I think in Jay Bateman's scheme, I think you need some guy there that can be a game changer and player. And they haven't had that consistently the first two seasons, which is why this defense has been up and down. Well, I don't think that's the one thing that they're lacking. I think that clearly they are lacking a consistent pass rush without help of a scheme. And I think part of that is the reason why you haven't found that superstar safety. Because well, my question is, doesn't do you think that Carolina needs one? Like I don't like Clemson uh, hasn't yeah. needed one. I think Carolina needs one to take that next step. I, I think it would definitely help for sure, and I think uh, I think yeah, that that is something that I mean. Look, you're always going to welcome a superstar safety. Um, you're always going to welcome a guy like if you're talking about Ohio State, you're always going to welcome a guy like a Malik Hooker. Somebody that is clearly the best at his position in college football. Now, I don't think they've got to be to that standard. But I do think that we've seen throughout the last couple of years back here. And, I I mean, look, there are some good players back here. Don't get me wrong. But we've seen some guys that have flashed at times and then at other times have really struggled. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the most concerning part about this is that you haven't even seen guys that have been consistently average. Even if you had those types of guys, you would live with that. You've had guys that have been hit or miss mm. to the point of when they're when they miss, it's it's bad. It's bad. Yeah. It hurts you. It hurts you really bad. And we saw that at times last year, primarily the game against Wake Forest. That was one of those moments where you kind of looked and said to yourself, man, we need these safeties to be better than they've shown so far this year. But, um, I, I mean, look, I think – there's a chance that that guy is on the roster. I think there's a chance that that guy is on the roster right now and is work rotating at that spot as we go into fall camp. He did it a little bit in the spring, and I'll talk about him in a minute. But I think this is the perfect way to transition into some of the safeties that are coming back this year. Look, Trey Morrison is, I mean, he's a really solid player. He's made a lot of plays for Carolina over the last few seasons. Carolina doesn't win the game against Boston College last without year him. on the road without him. He saved the game for you two or three times. I mean, he, he, he's, he's shown some really good flashes, but there have been times where he hasn't been able to help, help you enough in the run game, and he has been beat in the middle of the field over the last couple of seasons, primarily last year. Still, he's a solid enough player where he is going to be one of your starters there this year, you would imagine. Um, but I, I think that he's one of those guys that, in my personal opinion, I thought he was better out of the nickel spot. So but I, I think as of right now, when you look at the guys that Carolina has at safety, he kind of has no choice but to play there. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I, I, I think that there's... There's a good player there for sure. I think there's a chance that he could be that guy that Carolina's looking for in the secondary. This is one thing that they are still looking for and that Mac Brown has said, and, and I think it's pretty obvious to Carolina fans, they are still looking for a defensive 
playmaker on that back end. They're looking for a guy that can take the football away consistently because they have not had that guy yet. The guy that usually has your best chance to do that, you're going to look a lot to your corners, but there are safeties that can take the football away as much as any other position in the college game. And Carolina, specifically out of that position over the last couple of years, has not been able to find that guy. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's another level for this defense to take the next step. You go back to 2015 when Carolina won the Coastal. Their defense wasn't great, but they didn't give up touchdowns in the red zone, and they forced turnovers. So if Carolina is going – and I've said if Carolina can hold teams under 24 points or fewer, the offense should allow you to win the Coastal and compete for an ACC title. But to do that, you've got to, you've got to force turnovers. And especially, I think, this year, this offense is going to be good. I think it's going to be potent. It's not going to be potent in September, I don't think. The defense, we're expecting it to be ahead of the offense when we open up season at Virginia Tech. But it would be a lot – it'd be better if that defense we could count on – one to two turnovers a game, and one of them not necessarily being for a touchdown, but flipping field position. I think that's something that they've had to they've worked on all spring and summer to get better in that regard. Yeah, and, and I think that creating those turnovers is is going to be uh, important. Um, I think the biggest thing is is look, it, can you hold opponents to twenty points a game? Even even. You could probably even live with 25 points a mm-hmm. game, even early on in the season, because you've you've got a quarterback that can probably get you to that 30-point mark consistently. You've got to find that defense that can get it done. And look, I, I don't think – this is the thing. I don't think this secondary is to the point where we need to be overly concerned. There are some – there are a lot of good elements to this secondary. If you get help up front, it's going to make it easier because it's not going to put these guys in as many one-on-one situations. One of the guys that has struggled over the last couple of years in some of those situations primarily, he's been pretty good just about everywhere else, is Cameron Kelly. So you look at the other two guys that will, and we talked about Trey Morrison, we'll talk about Don Chapman here in a minute. Cameron Kelly's the opposite of these guys. He's the guy that's looked really good in terms of helping you in the run game, mm-hmm. but at times he has struggled in open space against receivers, making the tackles that he needs to, and he has struggled at times in coverage. Now, he's had other moments where he's been you know, really good in coverage, but he is the definition right now of a hit-or-miss safety. Mac Brown mentioned that back in the spring when he was asked about Cameron Kelly, and he's looking to him this year to be a more consistent guy out of that safety spot. He gives you Donnie Miles vibes. Donnie Miles was a great in-the-box safety, but out-of-the-box he, was he, he, he wasn't a liability, but he wasn't the same impactful player in the defense for Carolina, and that's what we need Kelly to do. We need him to become more of a sure thing in coverage because you'd look at the box score last year and say, well, he had eight or nine tackles. Oh, he played great. In reality, he didn't He didn't play as great as the stats would have showed because he was getting beaten coverage, giving up big pass plays down the field, and that's something Carolina's got to eliminate this year. Um, hopefully he's taking the next step. Another year in the scheme, a full offseason, I think is just going to be really benefitful, uh, benefitful for every position group on the team, especially the secondary group. Love that made-up word. Yeah, you like that? Yeah, that was nice, um, dude. As we're entering year, year three of the Jay Bateman experiment. Um, and, and so I think he's the guy that is most natural to take the next step. It's him actually just doing it that we got to find out. Well, then you talk about Don Chapman, and this one I think is – 
a little bit different because just like the next guy that we'll talk about, he's a guy that's rotating at multiple positions this year. So we're not sure exactly where he's going to land. I think as of right now, there's a legitimate chance that he ends up playing more in the nickel than he does at safety. And to be honest with you, I think that works better for him. When he came out of high school, he was a corner. And everything that you saw on tape was that he could handle himself as a man coverage corner. And, you know, he has he's a little bit smaller, so that was the one thing that would bother him. But he is, I mean, he has all the coverage tools necessary to succeed as a man cover corner. To have that guy in the slot for Carolina would be fantastic. Uh, he's also shown, I mean, he's learned, you know, with move, with the move to safety, how to help a little bit in the run game. But there were times last year where coming out of that safety spot, that deep safety spot, he just was not able to be as effective as he probably needed to uh, as a tackler and and a helper in run defense. I mean, towards the end of the season, he was a guy that was usually somewhere in that range of one to two tackles a game. You can't have that out of your safety that's coming down into the box to try to help stop the run, especially when there were times late last year where your defensive line, your front four, I should say, were getting worn down because they were out there for so long and they couldn't contain the edge. He's got to be better in those regards, but at nickel, that might limit that a little bit and I think might work into his favor. Yeah, I, I do think for him, if he can play more on the nickel spot, he'll be more productive, and I think Carolina's defense will benefit from that because his inconsistencies from the safety spot really hurt this team. And it's, it started his freshman year. Remember, when he first showed up against the scene at Georgia Tech, he looked fantastic. And we were all thinking this could be a guy that could really help this defense shore it up and we can make a run at the, the Coastal that year. Didn't happen. We thought last year, well, he's got a, you know, a full year in the system, a lot more reps, a lot more confidence. He'll be a better player. Was more of the same inconsistencies that we saw as a freshman. So I do think kind of simplifying his role will make, a, will make for more production out of him, and hopefully it is at that nickel spot. Well, the nickel spot, some people may be wondering, well, where does that put Jaquarius Conley? We, we said this a lot during the spring, and I, I think we honestly said this at the end of last season. Mm-hmm. The best thing for Jaquarius Conley and the best thing for this defense overall would probably be to put him eventually or get him eventually over to safety because, I mean, this is, look, this is his best. I mean, he, we knew coming out of high school, this was going to be the role that he would be able to thrive in the most. He played there in high school. He's a guy that can cover a lot of space really quickly. He is uh, an extremely, extremely good player when it comes to tackling in open space. He did it a lot last year. Uh, A lot of those one-on-one situations in open space, no problem bringing guys down. And I think this is the biggest thing is for him, he allows more flexibility for this defense if you can put him at safety because it's going to take some of the pressure off of guys like Don Chapman. Like, even at times, if Cameron Kelly can sort of prove himself, you could even move Trey Morrison back to nickel in certain situations if that's what gives you the best defensive backfield on the field at times. I feel like he's a guy that can really thrive in that role as a deep safety. I think he's a guy that has proven himself in coverage as well. 
And he's also a guy that I feel like just from seeing what he did in high school and seeing the way that he plays with the aggressive mindset, he's a guy that if you're looking for someone that could become that defensive playmaker that creates turnovers, Jaquarius Conley could very well be that guy. Yeah, and I, and I really hope he does become that guy. Um, the thing about this defense is a lot of what happens is you get caught in one-on-one situations and when you win those battles this defense can be really really good we saw that with him at Carolina and especially with him at Army but it's when you don't have those sure things at certain spots where you give up 53 points to a Wake Forest offense that shouldn't have scored 53 points on you and so I think that's the thing if you can get him back there you shore up that safety spot then as you mentioned that the position flexibility is invaluable in any sport, especially in football, when you can when you have as much talent and depth in this back in the secondary and the cornerback group like Carolina has. You can rotate guys more in, keep them fresh, less injuries while they're getting they're being more productive on the field. So that's that's a perfect world scenario, right? I think the question is is if he doesn't solidify that spot, where does Carolina go? Yeah, I, I I think, and I mean, see, that's again the thing is, is you're not. This is not an end of the world situation. It's You've not. got guys that can keep you competitive back there. And look, this is the other thing. You would imagine that these guys are working to take a step forward this year. They're working on being better players than they were a year ago. Uh, to to Don Chapman's credit, I mean, look, last year was far from a normal off season. That was a, That's an offseason between your true freshman season where you had some playing experience and your sophomore season. That usually is where you see some of the biggest leaps from guys because they have some of that experience, they know what areas they need to work on, and they do that throughout the spring, the summer, and into the fall. Last year, couldn't do any of that. Nope. You came to fall camp. You were pretty much the guy that you were. You had a couple of weeks to work on some minor things, but mainly they were trying to get your the, the scheme that they were going to run and everything that they needed to crammed into that short period of time. So maybe this year it allows some of these guys like him and even Cameron Kelly to maybe take that step forward and help them out. And who knows, if those guys are at the point where they don't need Conley there, they can keep Conley in the nickel. And we saw that he thrived there a year ago. And I think there's there's a lot of things. The, the, big, the biggest thing for Conley that I like about him maybe as much as anybody in this secondary is there is so much versatility here. When they said, look, we're going to start putting him at the deep safety spot, I was excited because I think he can play there and succeed. I think he could be an NFL player there with the way with, with his skill set. If they leave him at nickel, I think he could be an NFL player. There, This is a guy that's so versatile that it allows Carolina to do many different things with them, and that's what I really like about him. Let's go to the corners, talk about them real quick here as we talk through some of the guys that could potentially be start, uh, be starting this year. Um, first of all, we know one guy who's going to be starting. That's Tony Grimes. Not only do Carolina fans think highly of him, he was voted preseason All-ACC, one of just three Tar Heels joining Sam Howell and offensive uh, guard Joshua Zudu to receive uh, that uh, distinguished award. Uh, or uh, recognition, I should say. And, I mean, look, the sophomore out of Virginia Beach, uh, he's a guy that should be coming into Carolina as a true freshman this year. He was supposed to be in high school last year. When he took over down the stretch of the season, 
this looked like a different secondary, and the defensive numbers prove it. This guy made this defense a heck of a lot better. The fact that coming into this year, he's seen as one of the country's better young corners and is honestly a guy that a lot of people probably won't throw at, I think just speaks to how much upside there really is for this guy. And and at this point, he could easily be one of the top cornerbacks in the entire country, top five in the entire country by the end of the season. You know, when Dre Bly got hired, we all looked at it as a recruiting move. And look, it rightfully was a recruiting move by Mac Brown. He's also proven he can coach a little bit. And you look at what he did with Tony Grimes at the second half of that season, and you mentioned it, Carolina's defense was was better. And it, it elevated to them to a different spot where they were able to compete with a Notre Dame, compete with an A&M, which after that, law, or after that win over Wake Forest, that wouldn't have seemed possible at that time. Um, and, I, you know, I'm with you. I think he's a star in the making at that cornerback position. The guys at LSU are going to get the recognition, and rightfully so. Alabama and Ohio State's guys are going to get talked about as well. But when the season comes to an end and they're handing out awards for cornerbacks and defensive players, Tony Grimes' name is going to be in that discussion. I, I, I don't see any way it's not. And I think when you look at another one of those guys that if you're wanting to create turnovers – Tony Grimes is one of those guys that could probably do that for you. At the least, if look, if they're not going to throw at him, he's going to be one of those guys that I would trust, even as a true sophomore this year, to lock down some of the better mm-hmm. corners or some of the better wide receivers yep. in the ACC. And it's been a while since you've been able to say that about a Tar Heel corner at this young of an age. He should be allowed to travel across the field and take away that team's best receiver, no question. Now, to be fair... Even if he doesn't do that, you've got two good options that could be starting opposite of him that could probably handle those guys as well. Storm Duck's the guy that I think everybody is hoping can get back to 100% and can be that guy on the other side. Because much like Tony Grimes, when he came in and took over midway through, or actually earlier than that, uh, when he took over in that Clemson game of his freshman season, He was another guy that you could see the immediate impact of having him on the outside. I mean, him and Tony Grimes, you talk about two guys that can thrive in the press man coverage system. It's these two guys. They love being matched up one-on-one with these guys. They don't get beat often. The biggest thing for Storm Duck, you just have to wonder how healthy he's going to be because – He came back, was there in spring, ends up getting banged up yet again, and you just, at this point, you're just hoping that he's able to get back to 100% and be the guy that we saw in that freshman season. The good thing is that even if he's never, if he's not 100%, a 85 to 90% storm duck is still an impactful player that can help this defense achieve the goals that they want to achieve. And you haven't been able to say that in years past about certain guys in the secondary. If they were hurt, they were liabilities. He's not one of those guys. Um, You can just really see what the quack was all about when we recruited him, when you saw what he did against Clemson. Nothing on that that joke, by the way. Did you say quack? Yeah, because the last name's Duck. I I was just hoping that I didn't. (sighs) But you you could see in that game against Clemson, because you remember that Clemson offense. We entered that game thinking they're going to hang 50, there's no chance. We held him to 21 points and right and, and deservedly. Well, hey, hey, so, hey, hey, speak for yourself. I said before that game that they that were going to give up 50 and we were going to lose. No, I said before that game that I felt like that was one of those early kicks. No, 
on the road that they've done before. I did now. It was I'm a 3 30 game. It wasn't an early kick. I, I'm going to tell you, I thought the only way that Carolina was going to be in that game was if they put up a ton of points. Storm Duck was one of the main reasons that they were in that game because he did, a, I mean, about as good of a job as you could do for a first-time starter against that wide receiving so core and Trevor Lawrence. You can see what he can do for your defense if he's healthy. He can help shut down potent offenses. I don't know how many potent offenses Carolina's going to see this season, I think Miami's offense is going to be really good. I think Notre Dame is just really good at playing complementary football. That's but Wake, if, Wake if, Forest is going to be Wake a pretty Forest solid put offense. Up points. You need him. You need him healthy for that stretch. So I do think the fact that you got so much depth, if he's not ready yet for the start of the season, I think you can live with that, right? Like if you got to start someone else, you're you're going to be able to get away with it. You need him healthy for that Miami game. Well, for part of that is because the guy that could start in this place, started most of last year, and did a really good job last year. We we I don't think we talked enough about him. And I think we we mentioned him, I forget which award we had put him up there for. Um but he uh, Kyler McMichael was one of the more underappreciated guys for what he did last year for this Tar Heel team. He was another guy that look, he when when he was there the year prior and was not eligible to play. He was there in practice. He was a guy that we heard a lot about. He shined. Look, it's one thing to do that in practice. When he stepped on the field, though, you could see why this guy was recruited by Clemson, why he was battling now now Georgia corner, who will play against this former team, Darion Kendrick, for the starting role there uh, at one time. And I think he's one of those guys, and, and this is a point that I don't remember the last time that Carolina has been here, where you feel like, if one let, let's say if Storm Duck can't go, you got a guy that's probably at his same skill level right behind him in Kyler McMichael who can handle doing a lot of the same things that Storm Duck does and at, right around the same exact level. Mac Brown has talked about it so much, and at some of the other positions, they're still working on it. Corner is one spot right now where if you had a guy go down or if a guy needs a breather, with that three-man rotation right there, there is no drop-off. And we're talking about all ACC caliber guys that are out there. You have to go back to the Butch Davis era where you could probably make the case that there was that much talent, depth in the cornerback room. Yeah, yeah. D- uh, d- during the days of Kendrick Burney, Charles Brown, Charles Brown. You, had, you had, of course, you know, like Jordan Hemby was a guy that rotated off the bench, and he was a guy that would have started just about anywhere else. That, that's probably the last time you've been anywhere close to that. Right, and, and I think that's that's the sign of this program getting back to where Mac Brown wants it to be. I mentioned all the time competitive depth at every position is what makes the championship programs championship programs. That's why they can sustain the injuries, sustain the transfers, whatever it is, because they've got talented guys behind them that are ready and able to take over and produce to the same level. You've got that in McMichael if you don't have Storm Duck, which is a good thing because – at some point, someone's going to get hurt, you would have to imagine, and you don't want the drop-off. Especially in this secondary. If you do not know the secondary perils that, uh, in terms of injuries that Carolina has gone through for, what, the better part of like the last four years? Yep. I, I just, I mean, it's going to happen at some point. you got to have these guys ready. So it's, it's good to know that Carolina's got talented, productive players waiting – in the wings if something were to happen to get called to action. So those are the three guys that you're mostly going to talk about. But like you said, there are guys that are ready to step up if they need to. 
DeAndre Hollins, lay Deshaun DeAndre Hollins is officially on the the roster. I believe that's what he does want to go by. That's what I'm going to start calling Um, him. But we called him DeAndre for the first, like, three years that he was on campus. So it is tough to change the habits a little bit. We're just give him an LD. Um but I, first of all, can't believe he's only a junior. It feels like he's been here since. Uh, it feels like he's been here since Butch Davis was here. Um, but he's a veteran. You talk about a guy that's been thrown into a lot of situations that he, frankly, most guys wouldn't be ready for, and he's held his own every single time that they've done it to him. He's one of those guys that he, because of the injuries that we talked about. He's kind of had no choice but to step up in multiple circumstances. He's done well every time, and now he's one of those veterans there that if you need him in one of these types of situations, he's played enough in these situations where he's going to be okay and be able to have success. So it's great to have a guy like him back there. And I mean, look, I don't think he's at that point yet, but... Obi Igbun is another guy that's been put in some of those situations. I don't think he's quite in the same ilk as DeAndre Hollins where you're feeling great if you have to put him out there, but he's another one of those guys where if for some reason you had to put him out there, the skill set's there, and he's got a a little bit of experience where you could probably be able to hold your own as a defense if you needed to. In regards to Hollins, wasn't – he's come a long way. It felt like when he first would get on the field, we were like, oh, DeAndre Hollins is on the field – and then the more he's played, the more he's been on the field, it's like, oh, he's on the field, he's going to make a play because that's pretty much what he's done. And look, it's not his fault that you felt like that. He was a guy that was, you you just knew, coming out of high school, he was a developmental guy. You, you knew with watching him on film, there were some things that he would have to develop in. Also, remember, when they brought him in, they tried him in nickel. They were moving him all, he could never get a steady spot. And, yeah, I mean, when he came in, he there was a time in his freshman year where he came in, and I, I think it was against Pittsburgh. <laughs> and we were like, dude, we have no idea what to expect. He, he, he did about as good as you could have hoped for him in that situation. He's one of those guys that he has learned and developed through adversity of just being told, look, man, we, we, we got to throw you out there. Just do what you can do, and it's worked for him. And it's good to see that he's benefited from results. Same with Obi Egbuna, a guy that – you know, is he going to help your defense a great ton? No. But is he going to kill your defense? No. And those kind of guys are also invaluable because there's going to be a game or two he's got to be on the field for one or two snaps that are probably going to sway the way that game goes, mm-hmm. and you trust him being on the field. And, and 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 that's a big thing for this cornerback group. Yeah, I mean, he did it last year in the game against Virginia Tech. They had to throw him out there, and he held his own. Um, I think the reason that I brought him up is you look at that guy and he's your fifth corner in this defense. In years past, that probably would have been your third corner. So that tells you where the depth is at for this group. And, I mean, look, there's some other guys that I think could end up potentially factoring in here. Um, you know, DeAndre Boykins is going to be a guy in the nickel that is probably worth keeping an eye on. Uh, I don't know how much of an impact he's going to be able to make. He was an early enrollee. Uh, He had a couple of moments where he shined in the spring game, but again, it's the spring game, and he was a guy that played mostly in the second half. So I don't really know if he's going to come out of the gate and be great early on. Um, You've got Javon Terry as well. He's a guy that's kind of moved back and forth between corner and safety. They can kind of use him 
at either spot if needed, but these are some of the guys that are going to be deeper down on the depth chart. And then you also include in there Dante Balfour, who was a late addition to the 2021 recruiting class, Carolina. Um, you know, they, they made it a point to go out and get him late in that class, one of their only late signees in the class uh, out of the state of Florida. So he's a guy that I think uh, it, clearly there was a reason that Dre Bly went out and got him. He's a guy that can you know, thrive in the man coverage situations, uh, but he's a guy that's going to have to develop over time. So he's probably not going to come in and make a huge impact, especially with him being a summer enrollee, but we'll have to wait and see. When you move to the safeties and the depth there, uh, one guy that I, for, that, that I did not mention with the guys that could potentially start, but I think we've seen him – He, he actually was with the first-teamers in the spring game to begin was Giovanni Biggers. I think he's a guy that you need to keep an eye on. If you're looking for a dark horse to come out of that safety group and play even a big rotational role, but you never really know, potentially even start, I, I will say this. When I was at ACC Media Days, Jeremiah Gimmel was asked about some of the young guys on defense and who were some of the young guys stepping up. Giovanni Biggers was one of the names that he did mention, and this was within groups of guys that are pretty significant, some of the other younger guys. So I think he's definitely worth keeping an eye on. Coming out of high school, pretty versatile guy, kind of the definition of what you're looking for in a free safety, has the speed to cover deep, can play the ball pretty well. So could be one of those guys where if he proves that he can take the football away, he may get some time out there because they're looking for those types of guys. You know, he's poised for a bigger role is all I got to say in this defense. Um, but I, everything you said is exactly right. He's a guy that's going to do it the right way, um, and and it's good to see him reaping the benefits. A lot like, um, God, who were we just talking about? Obi Ekbuna and those guys. He's a guy that is, is he going to help your defense a great ton? Probably not, but he's not going to kill you either. And you need that, that safety spot. Yeah, he seems like one of those guys that's kind of a late bloomer in the system. Um, I think that coming in, I think there were expectations that he could come in and contribute a, a little bit more than he has so far. But it feels like he's one of those guys that as it's slowly gone along, he's gotten better and better. He's learned what Jay Bateman wants, and he's a guy now that I feel like could be ready. This could be his season where he gets that bigger role. Um, you know, another guy that I think's worth keeping an eye on a little bit at safety, just because of the type of player that he is, is Cameron Roseman Sinclair, the redshirt freshman, of course, out of the Charlotte area. Uh, he was a guy that in high school was pretty much an in the box safety. He, he honestly. Towards the end of his senior year, he was basically just an extra linebacker in the box. So if Carolina's looking for that guy that can help stop the run out of the safety position, he's a, he's a guy that constantly, whenever you would go out to some of these prospect camps and take that for what you will because you don't have pads on or whatever, he was a much better guy in coverage than I think a lot of people realize. He could be another guy that could be interesting to keep an eye on. Uh, same thing with Dontavious Nash. He's a true freshman coming in out of Gastonia Hunter Huss High School. The longest tenured commit for Carolina in the 2021 class when he signed. Um... He played a lot of corner at the high school level. He's he's also small for his size. A lot of the guys that you look at, uh, especially at safety for Carolina, up in that two, at least 205 to 2, um, 
215 range. I think that's the biggest that they've got uh, at the safety spot. So at 180, he's probably got to put on a little bit more weight to be able to play there. But he's got, I mean, if you're looking for a safety that can cover, this is going to be your guy. And he's one of those guys that don't be shocked if over the next couple of years he kind of climbs up that depth chart pretty quickly. I don't know if this year, though, with some of the guys, especially the veterans that they have in place, he'll be able to have a major role out of the gate, and then uh, some of the other guys. I didn't. I, I didn't mention Tymeer Brown. Uh, he's going to be more of a probably nickel guy. Uh, he's a corner. Uh, another guy that's really good in man-to-man coverage. Shorter guy though at five ten uh, and a quarter. So he's more. I, I would be stunned if he's not a guy that projects inside at nickelback. Uh, another guy. He's going to enroll uh, here in the summer or did enroll in the summer. Uh, fall camp will be his first time out. Uh, for Carolina, and again, with the depth that's here, it just doesn't seem like he's going to have a major role. In terms of the guys that will be walk-ons for this unit this year, uh, you look uh, at guys like Christopher Holiday, who is the son, of course, of Corey Holiday, the former Tar Heel wide receiver, one of the better ones in program history. He enters his redshirt freshman season, and then Val Edwards uh, out of Raleigh, uh, out of Ravenscroft High School in his sophomore season as a walk-on. He will also be a walk-on this year for the Tar Heels, one of those guys that does return turn for the unit so uh, that is your look at the Tar Heel defensive backfield for this year a lot of promise here as we mentioned still some questions at the safety spot but a lot of options for Carolina to go through there Uh, you would imagine at the least you're going to see some pretty heavy rotation there early on in the season as they try to find the best group that can be out there consistently for Carolina and it's it's still a unit that I think most people should be pretty encouraged about and you can read a little bit more about it over on the website uh, we are expecting to get that up again we are going you're dragging a little bit behind uh, when it comes to getting some of those written previews up uh, it's really just a, a thing of time right now we've got a lot of different stuff going on um, especially uh, you know with with uh, training camp opening for the Panthers uh, oh, my, my full-time job is uh, definitely taking up a little bit more time than it did during the summer. So I'm trying to scramble and get a lot of that stuff up. But just bear with me if stuff is coming out a little bit slower than was probably expected. But we'll have all that stuff up there for you. We'll have the breakdowns of these defensive backs. We'll go in-depth on all that uh, over on the website. Uh, you can check out all the other uh, ones that we have up there as well go through uh, the offensive side of the ball and also on the defense we do have the defensive line and linebackers up there for you guys to check out so make sure that you guys do that covering you on the recruiting front as well in terms of the articles Carolina just landed Sebastian Cheeks the other day so make sure that you guys check that out we've got a breakdown of what he brings to the table over on the website uh, as well as uh, we'll have you covered when it comes to some of these upcoming commitments Uh, Carolina as of right now doesn't look like they've got somebody that they're in the lead for committing anytime soon, uh, but there are some guys that could be nearing decisions here pretty soon if they want to get it done before the start of the high school season. It looks like some of those guys, though, that said they wanted to get it done before then 
are looking like they're probably going to let this last a little bit into their senior seasons of high school football. But we'll have you covered on all those fronts going forward, even throughout the season when it comes to recruiting. And then, of course, when it comes to the season, when it comes to fall camp, we'll have you covered on that front as well. Uh, Mac Brown will probably be doing the press conferences weekly, maybe even more than that. We'll have you covered with all those. We'll have the takeaways from that to kind of give you an idea of what's going on, what the head coach of the Tar Heels is talking about. Uh, throughout fall camp. We'll also have uh, you know, some of the uh, fun articles that we do right before the season starts that kind of predicts what's going to happen this season. We, of course, have the bold predictions, uh, which are a little more general, not player-specific. And then we have the breakout candidates, where we tell you the players that we think are going to have breakout seasons. Those are always really interesting uh, you know, articles that we write and additions to the podcast that will be coming up as well when it comes to the podcast make sure that you guys are uh you know subscribe to the podcast if you're a listener you like and follow the facebook page if you are a watcher of the podcast so that you don't miss any of the additions of the podcasts that we uh, have coming up there are also plenty of great ones that you can go back and check out uh, amongst the ones that you can go back and check out, we've got some really great interviews with some uh, national writers that are up for you guys to check out right now. Uh, we've got uh, Phil Steele, who, of course, writes uh, what is generally known as the college football Bible, one of the most accurate when it comes to predicting uh, college football in the preseason. And we also have Brett Ciencia, the guy that uh, writes Pitch Six Previews. That is actually, statistically over the last nine years, the most accurate. Him and Phil Steele, neck and neck every year in terms of their accuracy on predictions. Check those out up there. Uh, you'll definitely like the Brett Ciencia one. He's got Carolina in the playoff. Find out why he's got Carolina in the playoff, why he has them beating Clemson, all that kind of stuff. You can check that out on that uh, on the former editions of the podcast. And then coming up, uh, we do have some other great editions of the podcast that we'll be doing. It'll mostly be us the rest of the way. Uh, we may check in here and there uh, with uh, you know some of the guys closer to the program, probably Lee Pace, try to get him on again uh, to talk about some of the storylines around the team right before they make the trip to Blacksburg to take on the Virginia Tech Hokies to open the season, we're of course going to go through, break down the schedule for the Tar Heels, give you our official record predictions before the season starts. Also going to do those uh, additions of the podcast that I told you about with the breakout candidates and the bold predictions. So make sure you uh, keep an eye out for all that. And again, as we mentioned, the best way to keep up with all of this, uh, especially if you're a watcher of the podcast, uh, is the Facebook page. Like and follow that Facebook page. That'll give you all the articles all the audio editions of the podcast, all the video editions of the podcast, all that great stuff and other stuff uh, on that Facebook page. So make sure you guys do that. And while you're doing that, make sure you head over to Twitter and follow the official Twitter page of the Heel Tough Blog at Heel Tough Blog on Twitter. And you might as well follow us while you're there too. At HTB Anthony for me, at HTB Josh for Josh. And of course, Hacks, uh, it is HackZubber2. Uh, if you want to follow our recruiting analyst, Zach Hubbard. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. want to thank Josh for co-hosting with me. want to thank you guys for watching and listening. And as always, go talk.